Wednesday edition of PFTPM on Peacock. Miles Simmons, Mike Florio here with you for the next hour. Miles, I'm coming around on the Raiders. Wait, what was that? I'm coming around on the Raiders. See that? See that? I'm coming around, baby. Ooh. I'm coming around. 2-0. You Just know what my wardrobe win, philosophy baby. is? What's my that? wardrobe philosophy is very simple. Whatever is the closest and or the cleanest is what gets put on. One of the joys well, of working is- at home. Yeah, I know, right? The only reason that I've put on collared shirts now is to like actually go on television with you, Mike. Otherwise, I just wear long sleeve like workout shirts with a cutoff hoodie. It's very, very comfortable. Yes, it is. Comfort is the key when working at home, and <laughs> pants are indeed optional. Shorts yep. are the way to go, especially when it's a little warm up here in the attic above my garage. All right, we got a full hour. It's a Wednesday edition, not Friday. We know what Friday means. We're not quite to Friday. It's Wednesday, and that is the day that we get press conferences, we get injury reports, we get some more information about players that we knew were injured, players we didn't know were injured, players that we thought were injured to a certain extent but are actually injured more than previously believed. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. They go to Cleveland this weekend, and former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields will be facing your Cleveland Browns, Miles, uh, Andy Dalton, week to week with the knee injury. Let's hear. We we we've heard enough from Matt Nagy about the situation. We get it. We we know. We 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 know where he's coming from. Andy Dalton's a starter. If he's healthy, this is a great opportunity. It's not quite discovering plutonium by accident, but it's we can play Justin Fields until Andy Dalton's healthy, and he won't be healthy until Justin Fields stumbles. We don't have Justin Fields yet. Well, anyway, we have. If we have Matt Nagy, let's go ahead and hear from him again, so he doesn't feel neglected. Do we have him? Do we have him? Do we have him? Do we have him? I'll keep saying that until it starts. Do we have him? I'm filibustering. Do we have him? We do. Do you feel as a coach obligated to go back to Andy? When when Andy is is healthy, he's our starter. And then I I go back to for Justin. Justin's worried about right now. And Justin's worried about trying to help us beat Cleveland. Uh, I've talked about it this entire time that we're not going to get into that what-if game. We do want to see who's... You know, like when Justin's out here uh, and what he's been doing in practice as a look team, trying to be the best quarterback he can be, that's all we want right now. That's all Andy and Justin want is to be the best they can be. And then um, when that time comes, I mean, there's just there's a lot of stuff that can happen between now and then. So it's, I don't really want to go there other than just saying that when Andy is healthy, he'll, he's our starter. Don't challenge it. Don't reject it embrace it Andy Dalton will be the starter when he's healthy when will he be healthy when Justin Fields isn't getting it done it's that simple until Justin Fields cools off Andy Dalton's not healthy it's a way to let Justin Fields run his course if he does and you're never benching him you're not infringing upon his confidence you're not ripping him out of the game hey Andy Dalton's healthy now even though most of us understand how that goes it's a great thing now it's always better to have all your players healthy but if you're going to have an injured quarterback this is a great way to play it I I got no problem with it just don't overthink it don't over talk it just let things play out Miles Right. And look, I mean, there's a chance that, you know, Justin Fields can play so well that he Wally Pips Andy Dalton. Right. I mean, that's what happened with Justin Herbert last year. Anthony Lynn continued to say, well, Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback when he's healthy. Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback when he's healthy. And then it just became so apparent that Justin Herbert is that good at being a quarterback that there was no way they were going to go back to Tyrod Taylor. There's no reason to do it. So I think that's what the hope is with Matt Nagy and 
your Chicago Bears there, right? You know, you believe that Justin Fields can be a franchise quarterback. Otherwise, you wouldn't have drafted him and gotten, gone up to get him where you did, right? So you want him to be able to come in there and play well, run the offense effectively, run the offense efficiently, and be the franchise guy you hope he can be. But if he does stumble, if he doesn't, then yeah, you can go back to Andy Dalton and say, oh, then he's healthy now and he's still our quarterback. Absolutely, and he gets his first test this weekend against Cleveland. He says he's ready. He's been preparing for this moment for a long time. The real preparation is this week. He gets his first opportunity with the first team practice all week long with the installation of the game plan, the honing of it, thinking about it, focusing on it, really working the job the way it's meant to work, and hopefully not like your Cleveland Browns, Johnny Manziel, seven years ago. Remember when he finally got the chance to start on Tuesday night instead of studying film and getting to know the playbook and really locking down on the game plan. He went to an NBA game. Remember that was a thing seven years ago. So quick test for Justin Fields. Yeah. You're happy about that too. Justin Fields focus, get it done. And maybe he can beat the Browns and then continue as the starter until Andy Dalton is healthy or healthy, whatever the case may be Tua Tonga Vailoa is not healthy. He has a rib injury and The x-rays on Sunday were negative. The tests continued into Sunday night and Monday. He has fractured ribs, but apparently they're not so obviously fractured that they showed up on an x-ray. And you can have different degrees and hairline this and minuscule that. And bottom line is he's out this week. Jacoby Brissett is in as the Dolphins get ready to take on the Raiders in Las Vegas. And, you know, they're not playing the game. They're not doing the questionable and running it right up until they travel to Las Vegas and then they would leave to a home. They they just went ahead and said, he's out this week. Let's go ahead and get ready. Jacoby Brissett is our quarterback, in other words, at least for this week. Yeah, I, I you know, I respect that out of Flores. You know, just go on ahead and declare it because it, it would have been pretty obvious once he's not out there over the course of the next couple of days as he's going to get treatment on the ribs and trying to get himself better that he just wasn't going to play. So why even play those games? You just say, listen, this is guy. He is our guy for this week in Jacoby Brissett, and we're going to go out there and we're going to go try to win a football game. And the last time the Dolphins played, In uh, Las Vegas last year, they had that crazy comeback victory because Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game and replaced Tua Tagovailoa and was then able to, you know, get those guys down the field and start them actually putting points on the board. And last year, that defense was very bad. This year, that defense has actually been quite good through two games. They're really getting after quarterbacks. Max Crosby has been great from that edge rushing position. So the way the Dolphins got... Um, to attack about a hit in the early going of that game. And then the way Jacoby Brissett got hit last week, they've got to do better in pass protection. If they want to come out of there with a win this week, because I'm telling you, otherwise it might not even be close, man. You know, you've got that Raiders shirt on. They're doing a really good job defensively. And that's part of why they've been winning because they've been able to get after quarterbacks. So well, just ask Ben Roethlisberger. And that's something the Dolphins have to do a better job of, protect the quarterback and Tua. Tua's got to speed up the clock in his head. He can't take hits like he took on Sunday against the Bills. He's not a big guy. He's not 6'4", you got to minimize the number of times that you have a defensive end or a linebacker or a defensive tackle crashing into you because it's basic physics. You get hit with that kind of force, eventually you're going to get injured. And I felt bad for Tua. I like Tua. 
But the clock is ticking on Tua's ability to show he can be a franchise quarterback. And this injury suffered in week two, and who knows how long he'll be out. It's going to be imperative that he protect himself better, that he make quicker decisions, get rid of the football, and avoid the kind of hit like the one that he took that fractured his ribs on Sunday. All right. Carson Wentz, another one that needs to get rid of the ball faster. I've kind of come to the conclusion that his problem isn't that he's brittle, that there are issues with the training staff, that he needs to be on the TB12 method. It's a basic proposition. Don't let Aaron Donald drag you to the ground. If you don't let Aaron Donald drag you to the ground, you don't emerge from that exchange with sprained ankles. Not ankle. He's on the injury report. Did not practice Wednesday. Ankles. Left and right. And that's something that Carson Wentz needs to learn how to do, or we are just not going to see very much of him ever. It's Jacob Eason for the Colts this weekend as they take on the Titans. It's a huge game, and the Colts are in danger of falling 0-3. And we've been saying it for weeks. You look at their schedule. My God, the first five games are crippling for the Indianapolis Colts. So Wentz, who has been banged up this year, won't play. Well, we don't know if he'll play. He didn't practice today. I, I wouldn't bet the over on whether or not he'll play. Tua, we know, is out. Andy Dalton, we know, is out. I need a separate scorecard just to keep track of all the injured quarterbacks. Wentz, for now, isn't out, but I won't be surprised if he eventually is, Miles. Yeah, Reich said that they're not ruling him out quite yet, but it it does look like it's going to be precarious, at least up until game time, whether or not he's going to play. And so Friday is going to be obviously the big day with that. If he's actually able to get out on there on the field and practice, we'll see. Uh, then he's going to have a better shot at playing on Sunday. But when you're talking about the two ankles, right, you know, the left was already sprained earlier in the game, and he was able to play through that pain. The right, I mean, as you're seeing right here when Aaron Donald twists him down, like that looked bad when I was watching the game in real time. And so, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, you're right. You can't just let Aaron Donald drag you down, right? You've got to get rid of the ball a little bit sooner or not just throw the ball away or just eat it something like you when you're doing that and you're almost you know tempting fate to say oh I'm going to get an intentional grounding call instead of just taking the sack right here so it obviously didn't work out very well you know when you're trying to get rid of the ball there and Aaron Donald's dragging you down but if this is an opportunity for Jacob Eason and as it turns out that it might be then it's going to be huge for him to say what can I do in practice so that I really am prepared to go out there on the field and defeat the Titans. Colts have done very well historically against the Titans, especially in the last few years. So if they are going to kind of salvage this early moment in the season and not start out 0-3, what does Jacob Eason have to do to get ready this week? Because he was thrown in a, you know, a bad situation last week where it's basically like you got just over two minutes left. You're down by a field goal. You need to go down the field against a strong Rams defense. And then he immediately throws an interception to Jalen Ramsey. Probably want to throw to the other side of the field, my guy. So, like, what can you do this week to prepare so you don't look like that against Tennessee's defense? That's going to be the question that he's got to answer. And one of the points Sims made, and he actually called the shot once Eason went in, he said, watch, he's going to throw an interception because he thinks he can throw the ball into windows that just aren't there. And remember, when Wentz had the foot surgery in training camp, it was Eason. It's Eason. Eason's the guy. And then after a week, hey, you know what? Sam Ellinger is getting first-team reps. Yeah, because they weren't happy with Eason. So they got a problem there in Indianapolis, and they're in danger. With or without Wentz, they're in danger of falling to 0-3. John Gruden of my... Las Vegas Raiders, my. Oh, I see. My yes, Las Vegas yes, yes, Raiders. yes, 
Uh, hey, man, I, I can climb on a bandwagon as well as anybody, baby. But choo-choo, the other baby. day, Gruden gave us a, a, a little surprise when he said that he would call quarterback Derek Carr questionable with the leg injury that he suffered against the Steelers. It looked bad. Then he went into the blue tent. Then he came out, and he was fine. I thought he was maybe paying homage to Ben Roethlisberger with a little of the dramatics, although it really did look like an injury when he got rolled up on after he threw that touchdown pass. So I, I, I'm happy to report that Gruden says he's good to go. Not questionable at all. He participated fully in practice, and he'll be ready to go, unlike Tua, when the Dolphins come to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Derek will be ready to go and that's good news for a team that is on the verge of getting to three and oh it's amazing when you think about it and i don't know that any combination of parlays were out there or prop bets or whatever but if anyone would have bet i don't know what the odds would have been on the last two unbeaten teams in the afc being the raiders and broncos but that's where we are and the raiders have a good shot to get to three and oh and the broncos who host the jets have a great shot to get to three and oh yeah, they, they both do. And listen, I, I think that whenever John Gruden starts talking about guys are questionable on Monday, especially if it's Derek Carr, you say Derek Carr is questionable, it's probably going to end up that he's going to play because that guy, it takes a lot to take him out of a game and especially, you know, to take him out of a game um, or so early in the week. So when he said questionable, I'm like, all right, well, that means that either it's some kind of interesting motivational tactic for Derek Carr to continue to get treatment, which I don't know that Derek Carr needs, or it's just something that he's just saying. So it's no surprise to me that Derek Carr was able to go out there and practice in full today. Uh, But, okay, here's something that I want to say, because people think that I hate the Raiders because I say that they haven't necessarily drafted well, even though Cleveland Furl's the number four overall pick a couple years ago, and he's on your second team, and he was a healthy scratch in week one. But if you look at what Derek Carr's doing right now, and I know everybody wants to talk about Kyler Murray, Derek Carr is an MVP candidate. We're through two weeks, yes. Yep. But he's thrown for, I think, almost 130 more yards than Kyler Murray. He's only had one interception. And Kyler Murray's been turning the ball over a little bit, man. So I just want to say, like, I'm not a Raiders hater, especially as Mike has on that lovely shirt. And I think that Derek Carr is doing a great job of going down the field more. And Henry Ruggs is doing a really nice job of being the guy that they needed when they drafted him at 13 overall, 12 overall, whatever it was. I can't quite remember. Um, And being the guy that can stretch the field and make those catches. That's what they needed out of him this year and taking that step. Brian Edwards also taking another step on on the wide receiving core. And if they can continue doing that, then, yeah, they're going to be a strong playoff contender. Derek Carr's on pace for nearly 7,000 passing yards, which would indeed be a record because he had a couple of big weeks uh, on pace with 15 to go. Only 15 to go. He's on pace for nearly 7,000 passing yards. But I think it's great. And I think that it's a testament to Gruden, who has been very patient with Derek Carr, and Carr, who has grown into the guy that Gruden wants him to be. I remember when Gruden first took that job, even before he took the job, when everyone knew he was getting the job and Jack Del Rio hadn't even been fired yet. Someone who understands the dynamics very well said, Carr will crumble under the weight of John Gruden. And Gruden has worked with him to draw him to a point where he's exactly the guy that Gruden would want if he could choose anybody at this point. So good news for the Raiders, good news 
It's for Derek Carr, and uh, best news, he's good to go this weekend against the Dolphins. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, says that he expects Odo Beckham Jr. to be full go at practice and ready to go potentially this weekend against the Vikings. Torn ACL week seven of last year. I permanently stand corrected after having in my head for some reason it was week five. Week seven was when it happened. He's getting closer to a year from that injury and uh, you know if he doesn't get on the field soon something weird is going on and they definitely need him now with Jarvis Landry out. He's on MRI. He's on IR with an MCL. I get the the letter. I, I got I got I need a little guide. I need to carry around a guide with all the letters. He he's on IR with an MCL injury and I assume he had an MRI at some point to check the MCL, the ACL, the LCL and the ICL although there isn't an ICL. Uh, but you know two different styles, but if you're not going to have Jarvis Landry, it helps to have Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And they, they play different spots at wide receiver there for the Cleveland Browns. But I, I think that if you don't have one, you certainly want to have the other, especially because that of the wide receiving core is pretty young. If you look at the Cleveland Browns and you're not talking about Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, right? You've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, you've got Anthony Schwartz, and you've also got Higgins, who has really good chemistry with Baker Mayfield. But yeah, you want somebody who's out there, who's that veteran presence, who knows how to really play play wide receiver in this game. And I think you're also going to need your tight ends, like Hooper, like Najoku. You need those guys to step up once you don't have Jarvis Landry because Landry's such a good third-down target that you're going to miss that guy when he's not out there. And he's one of the real emotional leaders of that offense. But no matter what, it's still going to run through Nick Chubb. It's still going to run through Kareem Hunt. Those two guys are your guys on the Browns offense that really make that thing go. So as long as they're running the ball well, then it's going to be a good thing for the Cleveland Browns. You don't, I think, want to start throwing it 40, 50 times. That's not going to be a recipe for winning, especially when you're going up against a Chicago Bears team that rushes the passer like they do. And if there's an interception or a turnover, if you're Odo Beckham Jr. or Baker Mayfield, don't go try to make the tackle. That's how Beckham yeah. got hurt. That's how Mayfield got hurt on Sunday. Mayfield fully participated in practice with a left shoulder injury. That's disclosed on the report. That means he's getting treatment actively on that left shoulder at the facility. So they have to say he has it, even though he fully participated. Beckham fully participated. They got a bunch of guys on the injury report after only two weeks. We already talked about Jarvis Landry. They've got several guys who didn't participate in practice, including center J.C. Treader with a knee, tackle Jedrick Wills with an ankle, Joel Batonio was limited with a back injury, David Clowney, there's a shock, limited with a knee injury, Jack Conklin limited with a knee, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa limited with a knee, so early in the season, but this is part of the war of attrition, and the stakes are higher than ever because it's 17 games. And I think we're going to see more teams than not, Miles, have these periods of clusters of injury. Can they get through them with minimal losses when it's next man up? Because it's not going to be many teams that don't have to go next man up at a key position at some point this year. Well, right. And I think you just mentioned at least four out of five of their starters on the offensive line that are on that injury report. So, you know, I don't have it in front of me, as you just said it, but that's important to think about. You know, you have to have those guys on your OOL, especially if you're down a receiver, right? And you need those guys, especially the way that offense runs 
to be able to have the continuity to get the run game going. But I think just Odell Beckham Jr. being a full participant in practice for the first time all season, he's been limited in every single practice through the first couple of weeks. That's a good sign for his potential availability. And you had the report come out on Monday from uh, Mary Kay Cabot at cleveland.com that said that he probably is going to be able to play this week. And there's a good chance that he's going to be able to play. So all signs are pointing toward him being available. And you just hope that he doesn't go, he goes through the week without a setback and he actually is going to be available on Sunday. A topic that we have not discussed much so far this season, although there have been plenty of guys who have been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Other than Zach Martin, there haven't been any big names. Antonio Brown on COVID reserve after a positive test, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now you got to wonder who else may test positive as we progress deeper into the week. And the way it works is if you test positive and you're vaccinated, you are out until you generate negative tests at least two 24 hours apart. Then you can come back. We're creeping closer and closer to the week four showdown with the Patriots. And if Tommy ends up testing positive tomorrow, the next day, I don't want to jinx it, but we got to be aware of it. Positive on Wednesday. Well, that was today. Positive on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, They'll go to enhanced protocols, I assume. I don't know at what point you go to enhanced protocols, but if it's not enhanced and, you know, you get tested once a week, he could be positive next week, and we just won't know about it if they don't do the enhanced protocols. So uh, I don't know whether or not one is enough to kick it in, but the bottom line is if you have guys who are vaccinated who start testing positive, you need to start worrying that maybe other guys – other key players are going to end up testing positive, and there are some important games coming up, particularly in week four for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The good news, though, Miles, they got guys that have not contributed much this year at the receiver and tight end position because there's only one football. There's only so many guys on the field at any given time. Scotty Miller, zero targets through two games. Cameron Brait, cameo appearances. I didn't mean that, but it's the truth. O.J. Howard, limited playing time. Tyler Johnson, limited. Jalen Darden, rookie they really like, inactive for both games. You take out Antonio Brown, everybody bumps up one. Yeah, and that's one of the things that Bruce Arians was talking about and just saying that, you know, we're going to be okay. But actually, I mean, they've had a couple of players test positive and have to go on the COVID-19 list before, and a special teams linebacker and a practice squad, um, either receiver, cornerback. I'm sorry, I can't quite remember the details off the top of my head. He's a practice squad guy. But, you know, so they may or may not be trending toward going to those enhanced protocols. I'm not actually sure what kicks them in yet either. But I think when you're talking about that receiving core, anybody that starts with, you know, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, like that's great. And then you look at their tight ends and they've got Gronkowski and they've got Howard and you were mentioning Cameron Brait too. Like those, that team is one that can withstand this. Now you keep talking about the showdown with the Patriots and I understand why that's such a big deal, but this weekend's showdown's pretty big too. You know, they're coming out here to Los Angeles. They're coming to SoFi Stadium. It's going to be Brady versus Stafford. Like that's a pretty big matchup. The last time these two teams met here in LA, they combined for darn near 100 points or something. It was some weird game and Jameis Winston threw for like 500 yards or something like that. So this should be pretty interesting. To yeah, exactly. To 40. Jameis Winston had 385 yards and four touchdown passes, uh, and Joe Barry was one of the key members of the defensive coaching staff. That's one of the reasons why I thought Jameis Winston would get it done week one. Blind squirrel, uh-huh. eight acorn. 
just for one week, I can go into I can go into hibernation the rest of the season after getting that one right. That's that's there about the only time I've gotten anything right lately where I've gone out on a limb. Um, but yeah, it's it's just important that this not become worse for the Buccaneers. Some big right. games coming, and we, we hope that no team suffers a full-blown outbreak and games are in jeopardy and it's easy to get numb to it it's easy to forget about it teams have to be very very vigilant about the COVID-19 situation you know some exciting games high ratings great football and we're 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 pushing the memories of 2020 out of our brains but 2020 can come back just like that but it can come back just like that and we need to be aware of that situation too is because they are 100 vaccinated you don't have to worry about guys in that position room also having to come out because they were just because they were around antonio brown so right. that is Good where point. you're talking about that competitive advantage right of the teams that are vaccinated versus the teams that have a lower vaccination rate and all teams that have the majority of players vaccinated the vast majority but if you're looking at some of those key spots if there were guys who have been around antonio brown and, you know, they have been in that close contact with him, then they would have to leave if they weren't vaccinated. That is just a clear competitive advantage that the Buccaneers have because all of their players are vaccinated. One last point while we're in the neighborhood, because there's no other reasonable or logical time to mention it. There was an item from Kalen Kaler last week on Defector.com about the possibility of fake vaccination cards. Take that seriously and don't be shocked if there's more to come on the issue of fake vaccination cards don't be shocked because it's a real dynamic that people are curious about and there may be there may be something to it and it could become a controversy that the league is going to have to deal with at some point this season possibly sooner rather than later so take it seriously let's take a break when we return Aaron Rodgers had some things to get off of his chest on Tuesday, and he apparently felt so strongly about it. He got him off of his chest again today in his midweek press conference. We'll refresh your memory about what he said yesterday and let you hear what he said today when this Wednesday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. It's absolute horseshit to give a platform to people who have no idea what they're talking about as far as my mental state. And, you know, my focus, my work habits, people that have not been around me, they're uh, not in my life. I don't have communication with them or not in the locker room. I mean, that's that's just that's just it's chicken. You know, it's it's so ridiculous that, that people give get a platform to do this. And it's the same type of people on the flip side of that. I think in this day and age of media. The, the things that get the most, it's all about clicks, right, and hits and views, and uh, one second counts as a view. So the, the actually opinions that are garnering the most attention are the most outlandish. So, so it's not even overreaction Monday or Tuesday anymore. It's overreaction every time a microphone's in your face, every time you have a single shot in the camera and you get to talk to camera, every time you're on a panel. It's who can say the most outlandish things uh, because that's going to give you the most hits. That's the media we live in. That's fine. But at the same time, I still, you know, I still have this show. I have my weekly stuff. I mean, most people, you know, don't use their platform to defend themselves. I don't think I need to defend myself from people who aren't worth spending time on. So why are you doing it? Why do you do it? 
I, I don't get it. And let me just oh, say boy. this. I mentioned this this morning. No, Miles, here please, we go. Give, just, just give me a little leeway here. Uh, one of the great quarterbacks of all time doesn't know Jack Diddley, S-H-I-T, pardon me, Ooh. about how media works. Does not understand it. One second doesn't count as a view. And you're not going to build a platform that lasts if you're just pandering to morons who are going to flock to clickbait. Because people who get it are going to see what it is, and they're not going to go to it. They're looking for things they can trust. They're looking for things they can believe in. If you are in the business of the outlandish hot take, you're going to get maybe a short-term boost, but people who have a brain or even part of a brain are going to know they're being grifted and they're going to go somewhere else. So don't pretend, Aaron, that you understand how our business works. I don't pretend to understand how your business works. Don't pretend to understand how mine works. Here he is from today. Miles, I'll, 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 let, you, I'll let you say something before we... Before oh, we I mean, I, listen, I mean, I think the floor is yours. Okay, thanks. I, this rarely happens. So, wow. No, but I, I think that. What? What are you saying? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I'll take no, your platform I, away. Don't. You, you could, actually. So I, you keep inviting me back on the show. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like what Rogers is trying to say is different than, like, what he actually said. I mean, I understand what he's saying, you know, what. Oh, don't speculate on what he's really saying. Oh, God, don't, no, don't, don't, don't speculate. Go ahead. I know. Speculate. I I don't like saying, I don't think you do either. Just like saying the outlandish stuff, right? Because like you said, it's not necessarily going to be something that's long lasting. And I think that, you know, this is a a platform that we have here that has been long lasting, right? And it's very cool, at least from my standpoint, that I get to come on here and share my opinions about football. And I don't feel like I'm giving too many hot takes. I feel like, I watch the stuff, I listen to the stuff, I read the stuff, and then you know, that's how we formulate our opinions and then tell people what actually is going on in the NFL. So there are certainly people, I think, from Roger's standpoint where he's viewing it and saying like, well, they don't really know what they're talking about, and I don't like that. And like, I, from his perspective, I can see what he means. But I, I also don't think that, like you were saying, the people who um, – the, the reporters, the the commentators that people actually trust aren't really trafficking in the stuff that he's kind of talking about, if that makes any sense. And it does. And and I, I like this back and forth because my concern isn't that he's upset with the people who are deliberately coming up with hot takes, who don't believe what they're saying. They just believe that if they say it, it's going to go viral it's going to resonate it's going to get clicks it's going to get views with one second which does not trust me count as a view (laughs) we authentically believe what we say we genuinely believe what we say one of the reasons why this job is easy for me is i don't have to keep all my lies straight i believe what i believe now my beliefs may change and if they do i'll admit it but it's not like i take one side of an argument today Because it'll be great if you and I are arguing, and it'll be great if we go back and forth, and you call me dumb, and I call you stupid, and and maybe we go viral, and then Sims and I are doing it tomorrow morning, and he's taking the side I'm taking tonight, so I'll take the other side so we can get into an argument. No, that's all crap. My point is that Aaron Rodgers, I think, would put everyone in that bucket simply based on one factor. Are you being critical of me? 
And anyone who's being critical of me is a hot take artist. Anyone who's being critical of me is looking for a quick outlandish thing. They, they're not right. They can't be right. They can't have honest beliefs. They can't be smart and logical and reasoned. If they are criticizing me, they necessarily are hot take artists who should be ignored. That's my concern with this backward-ass logic of his, because he's trying to say, as to anyone who would dare criticize him, you are not worth spending time on. You shouldn't have a platform. You are a hot take artist. And when he does that, frankly, and we got 35 minutes of the show in. If half the audience goes and does something else, I'm fine with it. He acts like Donald Trump when he behaves that way. Oh, didn't expect that one. Well, it's the truth. Maybe he's going to stop talking. You're going to let me I'll just throw, I'll throw the baton to you. Hot potato miles. Donald Trump, go. <laughs> Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers. Take some time to collect your thoughts. Come up with a really good hot take that you can use on the other side. Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Look, I, I do want to maybe rephrase or refocus what I, what I said. Um, I strongly believe in everybody's ability to have an opinion, and I respect the fact that they have an opinion and should have an opinion. My issue is a platform given to individuals who only desire to say inflammatory things that are not based in fact. Right? So, so personally, I, I think I would be a little sensitive to people questioning my commitment to this team said it from the start, if I wasn't 100% committed to the squad and my team, then I wouldn't have come back. Now, maybe people thought that was, you know, some sort of cliche line or um, obligatory statement, but it was the truth. But to use statements like that or things I did in the off season or, or my own mental uh, status that I actually explained many times in this room or in this forum uh, as the basis for statements around me not caring or not being invested with my team uh, is not rooted in fact. It's not correct. And uh, I do enjoy the opportunity to correct uh, misinformation like that. See, Miles, the problem here is it's not like someone is passing along an incorrect fact about Aaron Rodgers. These are opinions that people are developing based upon the circumstantial evidence. Because let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is never going to stand there and say, you know what, deep down, I'm not really sure that I should have come back. Deep down, it's no better for me now than it was back in May when I wanted out. It really isn't. I rolled the dice and they came up snake eyes and I wish I hadn't come back. And boy, I'm going to try my best to hold it together week after week, but it may show at some point. I mean, he's not going to admit that. So you have people, respected people, Bill Cower with his gold jacket saying based upon what he sees, what he knows, what he's experienced, his opinion is it looked like Aaron Rodgers didn't care. That's his opinion. And if the facts are different, that's fine, but it's not like he's making up false facts. He's reaching an opinion based on circumstantial evidence that Aaron Rodgers may disagree with. But to me, that is far different than, for example, reporting that 
Aaron Rodgers punched Brian Gutekunst in the stomach. That's a false fact. If someone says that and it didn't happen, that is a clear, bright line untruth. But to say, you know what, I look at Aaron Rodgers and I think he doesn't really care anymore, that's really not a false fact. That's an opinion that may not be an accurate opinion. Aaron Rodgers may disagree with it, but that's an opinion that Bill Cowher or anyone else, based upon what they see and what they believe, are allowed to reach because this, the facts reasonably support someone coming to that conclusion, even if it's an incorrect conclusion. Sure, but I think, and I, I'm going to defend Aaron Rodgers here because I think that if someone were to say that about me, right, and question my commitment to my job, then I would be really, really mad about it. And so I think that it's, I, it's understandable from my standpoint when he starts saying, you know, don't come out here and question my commitment when you don't talk to me, you don't, you haven't talked to me, you haven't asked me about X, Y, and Z. You are just saying this and you have a platform to say it. And now maybe people are going to think it's true, even though you haven't talked to me or people that I know, you haven't been around me in order to reach that conclusion. I think that, you know, people questioning work ethic or effort, right? Those are the things that like, can sometimes really trigger people because you don't want somebody to say, you're not really working hard when in reality, you actually are working very hard. So I understand from his standpoint when he says, you know, don't question my commitment to the team when you don't really know what it is that you're talking about, even if you're looking at it and you can say, you know, by his demeanor or whatnot, it, it, I just, I understand from his standpoint what he's saying, right? Like, don't question me like that when you don't know because you're not actually here. I agree with you, but this isn't just a situation of Aaron Rodgers disagreeing with the opinion. This is Aaron Rodgers thinking the opinion is being fashioned for the sole purpose of creating hot takes and clicks and that it's just completely false and it's not rooted in any right. reasonable assessment of the facts. And you shouldn't have a platform. How dare you? Right. How dare you right. come to a conclusion? You know what they say when you, you, you're trying to understand whether or not there's enough evidence to take a case to a jury. And there's always an effort oh. by the defendant in a civil case. You, if Guys, there's enough you evidence, so Mike used to be a lawyer. I didn't say it, but you know what? Let me tell you something. Right Let me tell you something. I didn't say it that time because I knew, smartass, that you would say that. So don't call me out unless I do it. My point is, the standard is, is there enough evidence on which reasonable minds may differ? And I think when it comes to the opinions that, and it wasn't just one or two people, it was a bunch of people. Reasonable yes. minds may differ on whether or not the conclusion is justified that Aaron Rodgers' commitment isn't where it needs to be. The idea that anyone who says that he doesn't have the commitment he should have is a hot take artist who shouldn't have a platform, that's a little extreme to me. That's my point. Yes, yeah. I think when it goes to that point where you're saying you shouldn't have a platform, then that's different than just being like, hey, I'm refuting this criticism because this is who I am and I'm here and I'm giving my all for this. And if the opinion that somebody would say, you know, you don't seem committed, that bothers me. I think you're right. It's two sort of different things, right? One is I'm refuting the direct opinion and the other is I'm saying that you shouldn't even be able to say that opinion. I, it, I do think it is two different things. All right, let's take a break. And when we return, a far less controversial topic in the NFL than the life and times of Aaron Rodgers, the taunting rule. 
a calm and reasonable <laughs> disagreement is raging through the NFL over that. We'll talk about it a little bit more when PFTPM continues right after this. You're on the coaches, and if I'm not mistaken, now one of the things was encouraging to look at the taunting. You think still this is this is the right thing to do? This is a good step for the league. Well, I haven't personally looked at any of the calls so far. I, I, I agree with the idea. I mean, sportsmanship is very important. The way we treat one another is very important. I think the NFL is out front in so many in so many ways. You know, it's it's we're high we're high profile. You know, and kids watch watch us all the time. So the way we treat one another on the field is very important. It's it's about respect, respecting one another out there, uh, and you know how it gets interpreted from game to game. I think that's something you got to work through. But it's basically about respect and respecting one another in sportsmanship. John Harbaugh talking about the taunting rule. We had Ron Rivera explaining yesterday what the league is trying to do. You don't want to have somebody get in the face of an opponent and then the opponent files it away for an opportunity at a cheap shot or a late hit later. And then it goes tit for tat until all of a sudden guys are swinging fists into helmets and guys get injured during unnecessary brawls. They're trying to nip this in the bud and not have these vendettas that play out in the course of a game or the next time the teams get together. Like when Antoine Winfield weeks after he had Tyreek Hills deuces in his face, he gets down there and basically Basically, what he was doing was putting the middle finger in Tyreek Hill's face when he did that in the Super Bowl. So, Miles, my concern with all of this is it's been a failure of PR by the NFL to not properly explain this before the point of emphasis. It's not a new rule. It's been on the books for years. It was a point of emphasis in 2014 for taunting. And in 2013, they talked about how you can spin the ball generally, but if you spin the ball at the feet of an opponent, it counts as taunting. This has been around for years. But... What happened was the NFL didn't anticipate the reaction, and it's become a social media thing, and I don't get it because I think we all need to take a step back and say, hey, guys can celebrate all they want. Just don't celebrate in the face of an opponent. And, yes, there are some gray areas there where you need to stay away from it because certain things you say to a guy after a play may be interpreted as taunting, so you have to understand what to do after the play. But if you want to celebrate, celebrate. Four years ago, they revolutionized the celebration rules. They allow so many things they didn't allow before. It's unfair to lump this into no fun league. This is avoiding the kind of fights we see in training camp, frankly, when the league doesn't care. We see fights all the time. If the league didn't try to keep this stuff from going off the rails, we'd see fights during games. Well, the, the other thing about it, though, is I think you're right. It's sort of a PR problem, but it's also a, a failure to explain exactly what's different because sometimes I think we're seeing right now things that weren't being penalized, get penalized in these games, right? I mean, whenever you have 11 taunting fouls in the first couple weeks, which is the same number that was in all of 2020, that means that things are being called a little bit tighter, and that's exactly what a point of emphasis means. Like what we're showing right now, that's taunting, right? Like that's no, whoa, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. But if you're complaining, everything that we've seen, your hole, yeah. Everything yeah, we've like seen on that nothing. on that reel was taunting. You had the right. guy standing over the opponent doing this. You had the guy yes. in his face with the, you know that's taunting. What Keenan Allen was doing, he was mad he got a helmet to helmet hit. Now, okay, right. well let's watch this. The, the the Bills defensive back 
That is clear taunting. That's taunting, yes. and then he continues it. That is taunting. That is what they don't want. Watch yeah, it here. That clapping in the face, of, in the face yes. of the opponent who is down on the ground, that's taunting. Keenan Allen wasn't happy he took a helmet-to-helmet hit. The problem yes. is it looks like taunting. <laughs> that's, that's where you have to be careful. That interpersonal reaction that you have with a player could be viewed as taunting even if you're communicating a different message. Right. But I think the other thing, too, is you have Mike Edwards going and turning around and backing into the end zone for a pick six, and that gets flagged as taunting. And I think last year it wouldn't have been. You know, it, because even if it was by the letter of the law, I don't think that that would have been considered taunting before. So it's almost a failure to really explain exactly what the rules are. And frankly, I think if you get two pick sixes in a row, you should be able to moonwalk into the end zone as much as you want. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I remember a Monday night football game back in 2001, Miles, when you were, what, five years old, um, <laughs> where Randy Moss kind of went backwards into the end zone against the Giants and he drew a flag. He drew a flag. So it's always been there. It's just never been enforced consistently, and you never know exactly. when the flag's going to come out. What they're trying to do is get the, the rule to be properly enforced. Hey, you got – I mean, Tyreek Hill wasn't getting flagged for throwing deuces in a guy's face. That's always been taunting. That's always right. been taunting, but it hasn't been flagged. We saw week one when he had the long catch with John Johnson covering him alone for some fine. reason and and he's yeah. doing he's doing this kind of like looking around hey again nobody nobody sees it hey hey you take that you know uh, no, he but, did but it in that's... front he did it in front if you're doing it in front i assume it's celebrate it's like the amount of pumps you can do if you've got he your kind of flashed it he kind of flashed it real quick like this is really for you <laughs> but we're just doing this for everybody but but yeah. my, my point my point is that the nfl failed to properly explain this I think the NFL failed to anticipate what the reaction was going to be. I think the reaction is a little much. And I really do believe that some people are either inadvertently or deliberately twisting this into something that it is not. And it makes it very difficult to try to explain it. And social media is so cranked up against this now, it's impossible to try to talk any sense into social media. And I posted a couple of tweets about it today, and I got right. ratioed. Miles, let me tell you, I don't know how I'm going to continue after being ratioed. <laughs> I don't know how I can ever go on. I was ratioed. Let's, uh, uh -oh. let's take a break. Unless you have any taunts you want to throw my way before we go to commercial. Anything? There you go. Thank right you. there. Thank you. Deuces. But let me just say this. <laughs> let me just say this before we go to break. If you have a problem with the way that the former president treated other people, why are you okay with taunting? That's all I'm going to say. We'll be back right after. A break. Jackson will now take it from the gun, from the pistol. Keep it himself, untouched, into the end zone. Welcome to the greatest show on earth with the greatest athletes on earth. I don't know. I'm kind of sore. I didn't want to tell Coach because Coach probably would have said something to me about flipping next time. So I don't know. I'll probably do it again, though. It was, it was pretty cool. That's Lamar Jackson. He came down oh, hard on that buddy. hip. That, that, had, that had to hurt a little bit. And, mm -hmm. yeah, hey, uh, it's fine until you get injured. 
and then all of a sudden it's yeah. not fine. Unnecessary contact with an opponent or the ground is not something you want to do if you want to play all 17 games. Miles, that leads into our first question. JR, the boss man, why won't the Ravens flat out tell Lamar Jackson not to flip into the end zone again? Do they fear alienating him? Your thoughts? I don't know if they fear alienating him, but I would say that they probably should tell him, hey, bro, just be a little more careful. Because it almost reminds me of what we were talking about when it was over the summer where he is going to um, a little uh, youth football camp that he's holding, and then he's, like, covering kids as a defensive back on concrete. Like, don't do that. You're the quarterback. All right, just stand. It's not bad if you're out there and you are being with the kids and you are, you know, being a part of the community. That is awesome. That is not why anybody's criticizing you. It is the risk of injury to a quarterback, especially a quarterback who is seeking a contract extension. It, like you said, it's just unnecessary risk. Just go into the end zone and celebrate as much as you want. Maybe if he had somersaulted into the end zone, right? If he's just on the ground as opposed to like flipping through the air where you're really not sure how you're going to land. Imagine if he'd gotten hurt on that play because he absolutely could have gotten hurt on that play. Seen it with baseball players. You know, they, they jump on home plate. Was it Kendry's Morales? He did that and he's out because he like tore something in his leg or his knee or whatever it is. It's just unnecessary risk. And when you're the QB... You don't want to take unnecessary risks. I'm glad you mentioned the incident on the basketball court because that's the first thing I thought when I saw that video. This guy's on the brink of a life-changing contract, and he's out there doing drills with contact and pushing and shoving, and all it takes is one smart aleck who decides he's going to take a low shot at you, and there goes your ankle, and you got a problem. And people get mad about that. It's like, I'm not trying to hurt the guy. I'm trying to help the guy. I'm the guy that says almost every day he needs to get an agent and get his contract done so he's protected. He plays with a very physical style. I think the problem is there's almost this – misapprehension with Lamar Jackson that we once had with Cam Newton, that he's indestructible. And guys like that are indestructible until they aren't. And then once the injuries start, Miles, they don't stop. It's one of the reasons why Cam Newton's done after 10 years. You can't play that way and expect to play deep into your 30s, and you can't take risks like that. At some point, somebody's got to be your conscience. Somebody's got to be the one that gets you to realize there's a time and a place for everything, and there's a time to not do something that puts yourself at risk unnecessarily. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Lamar Jackson is obviously one of the most exciting, one of the absolute best players that this league has to offer, even if he does play for a franchise that shouldn't exist. So I just I think we all <laughs> him continue to play and continue to play well. And that's why you don't want to see him take unnecessary risks. It could be worse. They could be the Browns. They almost were the Browns. But the Browns yeah, is well, the Browns. Yeah, thank the Ravens you is the that. Ravens and the Browns is the Browns. Artags right. 39, which 2-0 and team will finish with the least wins this year? Your thoughts? Uh, Denver. You know, it's a little surprising to me that Denver is 2-0, and but not that surprising considering who they've played, right? They've played the Giants. They've played Jacksonville. And they're just not necessarily playing the quality of opponent where you're like, oh, man, it's so surprising that they're 2-0. and Because I feel like if you're in the third year of a system like they are with Vic Fangio, then they should be getting better. They should be in a place where you're at least getting to – uh, nine and eight, let's call it, or, you know, 10 and seven as they could be now. So it's not surprising to me that they won these games, but I don't know that they're going to continue to be uh, winning all of them and a playoff contender at the end of the year. 
I agree with you completely. There's seven undefeated teams, and the Broncos are the one that stands out that they won't continue this, but maybe they will. I love what Teddy Bridgewater is doing. Maybe they can keep it up. Last one real quickly, Drizzle, 24-12. Do you see Larry Fitzgerald signing with a contender late? I can see him ending up in Kansas City. I I think this is his play. He wants a Super Bowl. He's a free agent. He can sign with anyone he wants up to Super Bowl week. The day before the game, when the rosters lock, he can sign with a team. Wait and see and call your shot and pick the best team and go try to get a ring. And I got no problem with him doing it if he does it, Miles. I have no problem with it either. And I think Kansas City could be a good fit. You know, they go to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill so much. And that's because those guys are such elite players. And frankly, maybe Kansas City should have gone to Travis Kelsey again instead of handing the ball off to Clyde Edwards earlier late in that game against the Ravens. But if he can be that kind of, you know, veteran presence that they might want in Kansas City, then hey, go for it. I won't be surprised if we see him at some point this year. You will see us again tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern and PFT Live at 7 a.m. Have a great evening.